I'm Tony Gargan and welcome to the Presenting, Pitching and Public Speaking podcast. Hi, I'm Tony Gargan and welcome to the Presenting, Pitching and Public Speaking podcast. And on today's episode, we've got something a little bit different and a bit special because on today's episode, I'm doing a Zoom slash podcast interview with one of my mentees, Emerald Fisk. So Emerald is a property investor, entrepreneur, business owner, and now public speaker. Um, but it didn't always start that way. That wasn't how she intended for it to do. So rather than steal her thunder, I'm going to jump in and introduce you, Emerald, let you introduce yourself. So hello, Emerald. Hello, Tony. And hello, listeners. <laughs> so many people will already know you because I've made reference to you in podcasts before or you're quite well known within the progressive the progressive success communities for those people who don't know you who are you and uh, I think it's probably uh, worthwhile doing a little introduction into how you and I met because that in itself is a little bit of a story um, so I'm Emerald Fisk I'm from down in Gloucestershire. You might hear that in my accent. I normally say I'm a blonde tattooed girl, and um, but at the moment I've got pink hair because we're in the COVID-19 lockdown and I got bored on a Saturday night. <laughs> <laughs> As you do. Um, so I'm literally nothing special. I've just found my way in business and speaking and property and everything else uh, by finding people like Tony and uh, befriending them, stalking them, whatever you want to call it. (laughs) So um, a couple of years ago, I'd say 2016-2017, we, as in Tony and I, both found ourselves at a business mastermind. Uh, Tony was there talking about her property and her speaking, and I was there talking about my personal training business, as I was a personal trainer at the time. I'd heard of uh, Tony's mentor, Rob Moore, who talks a lot about property and other things. And um, when Tony said she did property, I just turned around and said, Tony, can I stalk you? (laughs) And I love it when we tell this story because that is literally how it came about. I don't know if you've ever been in a position where someone's asked you a question and it's just stumped you. Like everyone who knows me knows that I'm quite good at talking. It's what I always do. And I was just lost for words. And it was like, um, okay. Not very polite that you'd asked me, could you stalk me? Because thankfully, I mean, as far as I know, I've never had a stalker. Uh, but I, I would never presume that a stalker would ask, could they do it first? So the politest stalker ever. And that was, yeah, 2016, 17. I think it might have been to, kind of this May, 2017-ish. Mm, that sounds about right. Yeah, so... Not all that long ago in the grand scheme of things. Um, So you mentioned initially that you were a personal trainer. That was the business that you were in. Um, Tell us a little bit about why the change from personal training to what it is that you do today. Um, So, well, firstly, I've got to go how I got into personal training. So I was just a massive, massive fitness fan. And um, I played some sports. I played rugby. And um, I was in a career as a management in a care industry. And I sort of fell into the business side of my job. And I really, really enjoyed it. So I had one of my light bulb moments. Sometimes they're good. Sometimes they're bad. And I just thought, I know, I'm going to train to be an accountant which I did for 
um, well, I went to college for a year on top of my job and then I lasted, I reckon, six to eight weeks in my accountancy job before I thought this is the worst, most boring thing I've ever done in my whole entire life. So um, I went into work one day and told them I quit, um, as you do. And then I thought, oh my God, I don't have a job. I can't go back to my old job because they had replaced me. Um, I was really into my fitness. I had loads of people that wanted to be my clients. I'd been doing my uh, personal trainer qualification just out of fun really so I set up my personal training business and then I went on my way so <laughs> just to jump in at that point I think for those people who don't know you and your personality that might sound like the scariest thing ever to people in terms of you know I decided they didn't like what I was doing so I just went in and told them one day that I quit now, there will undoubtedly be people who are listening to the podcast, whether this is during the lockdown period or maybe when people are back in work or maybe you're furloughed or working from home or whatever, who are thinking, I really don't like the job that I'm doing or I really don't like the business. And what I love and think is one of your best traits without a shadow of a doubt is just that, the ability to overcome that fear. I'm sure there will be a bit of fear because you said it kind of went, oh my God, I haven't got a job now. The fact that you've just kind of looked at that and gone, what can I do about it? I think that kind of an attitude is just, is definitely something that has helped you within your public speaking career. And we'll come to that in a little while. But if anyone's listening, thinking, oh, she, oh yeah, that's easy for you. You know, you just kind of did it. What were your fears and, and doubts around that? And how did you overcome them? Um, so... Uh I think some of my personality traits is when I do something, I don't have much fear. And then it's a couple of weeks later, once I'm getting into it and I'm having to find clients, then I'm like, oh my God, I need to pay bills. I need clients. And that's when the fear sets in. But initially I never have it. I just do. And then I think, oh my God, what have I done? Um, so, and that's quite difficult sometimes. Yeah. And I think that honest approach is, is absolutely what people need to hear, you know, I'm a mass, massive advocate of if you don't like where you are, you've got to change it. If you, you know, regret, if you ever have them, they should at least be the things that you've done and not the things that you haven't done and you wish that you'd, you'd tried. And I think there's always a way out. Sometimes it's needing help and support and sometimes it's kind of putting a little bit of faith in yourself. And that's one thing I think you have in abundance at certain times and then other times it disappears from you and it's that ability to back yourself and the fact that you do that initially, that's fabulous. And that's why being surrounded by other people who then, when you do have that kind of, oh my God, moment, what have I done? Is they push you forward. So yeah, I think that people need to hear that first of all. So you made the decision to just quit your job to start this business, which again in itself is, you know, quite scary. And actually it's quite apt now that we've got people who are maybe listening during the, the lockdown period who've got business ideas who've got, you know, things that they've wanted to achieve and maybe now have the time and something's holding them back from doing it. So I think what advice would you give to people who maybe do have those thought processes? What's the best guidance you give to those people? Um, my best thought on all of those things is, like with the accountancy, you just got to try it. And if you don't like it, then you can quit. So if you've got a business idea, then you just give it a go. And I think the problem is people um, have a lot of shame or judgment or fears in going, I tried something and, and then telling everyone, oh, I'm doing my new amazing idea. And then turning around going, mm, actually, that idea is not for me. So I'm just going to park that one or, or quit it. At least I've tried it. I think more people need to remember nothing's forever. 
Just, that, yeah. just try it just do anything you want to do and then if you hate it just you know come back quit go back to your old thing <laughs> you know what I think that's again it's quite refreshing that someone's open and honest to say you know I'm, I'm alright with saying I've quit it and that I think comes around something that I've touched upon in previous podcasts which is when we talk about fear in public speaking I think that fear is in every area of life and it's a, often a fear of judgement it's not mm. necessarily about you thinking oh I failed it's the, what will everyone else say if I've told them one day I'm setting up this business in X or I'm going to be doing Y job and then the next day it's changed. So, yeah, I could just do with it. Very much the approach that Emerald has. But it's definitely working for you. So you move then into the personal training business and that in itself, you know, would you say that you used public speaking skills even though it possibly wasn't something that you realised you were doing kind of within the business yes but at the time I had a informal mentor so I'm a massive believer of mentors and my own personal trainer sort of took me under his wing and he gave me a few of his clients and um, we actually went to the same primary school but we didn't communicate during our time at primary school Um, and we went back there and did a talk to the whole school about health and fitness (laughs) so that was probably my first public speech which looking back on it was horrendous (laughs) they were all children so they wouldn't know (laughs) yeah we're just sweeping statement there saying the kids wouldn't know if it was good public speaking so i wasn't even aware of that that this was you'd done a speech prior to it because we'll get to kind of how you got into public speaking but have so you've used public speaking to kind of promote what it was you were doing how did you get clients because you said the fear kind of set in maybe two weeks or so later when it's like I haven't got any clients I've got bills to pay how do I do it how did you then um market yourself how did you get clients within your personal training business when you were brand new um so just talk to everyone that's what you've got to do so it's speaking which is a you don't classify it as public speaking but it is um I'd be a lot more um chatty around the gym so I wouldn't just immerse myself in my own training I'd be talking to other people uh social media an absolutely massive one so uh, me and this mentor that I had we used to do live Q&As every Wednesday night and we'd talk about nutrition fitness um loads of different things just all around the the how to lose weight industry I suppose and picked up clients from that yeah so just online talking using my mouth (laughs) actually already implementing something that you actually you know you trained within later down the line and this this is something I think that is um so often overlooked is there's so many people who are already using public speaking as a tool whether it's one-on-one with people in the gym whether it's you know going to a school and promoting yourself or whatever the environment is standing in the group and talking one to many that actually so many people are doing it some people good some people not so good and that's often because they've not got a system to follow or they don't necessarily know how to do it um, but you also mentioned social media within there which I know has played a huge part in that business and the business is later down the line so you start to promote your business you set up this personal training business why the change from personal training so um to me in the back of my mind a new personal training was going to be a stepping stone so I sort of looked up setting up gyms and I looked at the business model and it was like six or seven in the morning till 10 o'clock at night (laughs) 
who wants to work all of them hours seven days a week um not me so I knew my personal training was going to be a stepping stone and as I got further into my business what I realized was my passion for sports for training for being fit was going because I had to share it with everybody um, and if you are a client of a PT out there or if you're a PT yourself you know that a lot of it is motivating people because everybody comes to their personal training session and moans and they were moaning about something that I loved <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing don't come to my gym and moan um so I didn't really enjoy the business which is weird because everyone thought I'd love it and I kind of went into it thinking I don't know how much I'm going to enjoy this and I was 100% right I just didn't enjoy it so that then led to you going to a mastermind which we met May 2017 and I think therein lies another story because I know that you were going then you weren't going and this was before you and I had met but obviously we've talked about it since so what made you make the decision finally to actually attend it and what's your thought processes around having mentorship guidance mastermind environments um, so there's going to be a theme here. I sign up to things and I think this is a fantastic idea. And generally that everything's a fantastic idea. But then that's when the fear sets in. And then I'll have little battles with myself where I go, right, fantastic idea, get on a mastermind. And then it's like, oh, there's going to be loads of people there and they're going to be big business owners. And then there's little old me. And I think a lot of people have these sort of battles, but maybe they don't realise they're having them or they don't tell people about them. Um, so last minute, it's like, six o'clock on a Friday night and uh, the mastermind was in Brighton and I probably live a three and a half hour drive away I just um, packed my bag got in my car and just drove so you just made the decision and committed to it that's you know that's quite refreshing anyway to hear that you make these decisions because anyone who sees maybe the you on social media or the the business side of you and doesn't know that you know every one of us has fears concerns whatever it is they see the person who's just out there and doing it. And I think it's really refreshing. And this is why I love doing interviews like this, because if someone's up there thinking, well, that's not me and I'm not that kind of ballsy outgoing person, that actually you just the same have kind of gone, I'm fearful of it. Oh my God, what if? And again, that thing, and I'm, I'm writing a couple of notes down as we go along because that seems to be a bit of a recurring theme of, well, there's going to be people with big businesses there and it's the, worrying about how others will judge you or how you compare yourself to others. And that is a massive thing in the public speaking industry. And and I know that because I felt the same, you know, before I learned to do it as a a business and as a skill set. It's that fear of what if I say the wrong thing? You know, there's going to be people, there's so many better public speakers than me. Why would anyone listen to me? And I think that's a theme that we'll pick up when we get to public speaking in just a second. Um, so you just got out of your own way, went to the mastermind, politely asked me, could you stalk me? So we're still not even at the point where you wanted to be a public speaker. You then moved to property investment. And again, a bit more of a theme. Theme being, you know, you just decided to do it. You've, you have no, pay, no property experience at this point? No, nothing. No. I bought my own residential property, which I was selling at the time, and that was as, as my experience went. So... At what point did moving into property lead into you wanting to become a public speaker and how did learning the art of public speaking benefit you within your property business, which is now still what you do? 
Um, so as soon as I watched all the speakers on stage, I just thought, wow, they're absolutely awesome. I'd never seen live speaking before. And I know, Tony, you watch a lot of comedy, but in my head, I'd never classified comedy as public speaking. And the most public speaking I'd seen probably is, you know, when you go to work and someone stood at the front because you're being taught something. Um, that is... <laughs> <laughs> that was your old job, wasn't it? <laughs> it was. And I never looked at that and thought, hey, what a cool job. And I always just thought people were born with this skill to stand at the front, they could do it. And then when I seen the public speakers um, at some of the events that um, you'd recommended to me, I just thought, wow, these people are absolutely awesome. I'd love to be like them. But even then, I don't think I registered that I could be like them. It was just like, they're really good speakers. Don't think I could ever do that, yeah. but would love to know. So then you moved into property. Yeah. At what point? So tell us a little bit about how you got started in public speaking. Obviously, it was that you were, you know, inspired by other public speakers and thought I'd love to do that too. So you went along to you do speaker one day discovery first or jump straight in? No, what, what happened was um, I did a, a mentorship program, a 12 month mentorship program in property investing. And I actually won an award for joint venturing because all of my portfolio has been built by um, using other people's money. And I got put up on stage and asked questions and <laughs> And what I can remember is sat there answering them all. And I was going, well, obviously I did this. And well, obviously I did that. And Rob, who was interviewing me for um, winning the Joint Venture Award, he goes, well, it's not obviously because the audience don't know what you've done. And I just died inside. And from then I was like, I, if I'm going to get interviewed for these, these awards that I've won or anything like that again, I just do not want to be rubbish. So again, I get that around perception and, you know, that being highlighted to you of someone saying that you've got, whether it's a phrase, we call it a dog phrase that you say over and over and it might be, you know, I've been reviewing home play videos of some of the mentees recently and one of the ones that was identified was, so anyway, so anyway, and it becomes a habit and your habit being, well, obviously, and then someone actually highlighting it to you and going, it's not obvious that kind of resonated with you it made you think one I'm going to win more awards when I do I want to be in a position where I can convey them better so when was that that was was that must have been December 18 18, I believe it was then I just remember sitting on stage and just absolutely dripping in sweat I think it was hot but I was obviously very nervous and there was all these people in front of me it was being live streamed on Facebook and I just thought I am not putting myself through that again so after December 2018 I was like I need to be a better public speaker and again (laughs) kind of highlights in your personality that some people would do that and think the opposite and go, oh my God, I'm never doing a speech ever again. You know, public speaking's awful, felt like I died on stage, whatever. Whereas you've looked at the positive aspect and gone, well, I didn't quite do what I wanted to do. Uh, you know, you use the phrase, I died a little on the inside. And it, that positive spin and that positive mindset to then go, well, actually, uh, next time I do it. And that, I think, is, is a trait that people can definitely try and take on board. That I'm sure after it, you've gone, what am I doing? Why am I becoming a public speaker? This is fearful. But just at that point, it was like, no, I've got to do it. So you did the five-day speaker course. So you went straight into Expert Speaker Revolution. 
January 2019. Okay. <laughs> Again, point for those listening, decided in December 18, and this was, you know, mid mid December and I remember because I was there and she had no reason to die because again we'll often judge ourselves oh my god it was the worst speech ever it was horrific when actually people were coming up and congratulating you and, and I thought you did a great job but every one of us can improve within our speaker skill set so made the decision in December come January already learning how to do it so you attended the five day speaker revolution uh, when did you do your first speech? February Okay. And where was that speech? What was it? Tell us a little bit about it. How did it go? So that, I believe, if I remember right, it was in Swindon. And if it wasn't in Swindon, it was in Peterborough, one of the PPNs, because I did them very early on in the speaker journey. And I would have been talking about raising finance, because that's what I generally talk about if I'm speaking, is raising finance or um, buy-to-let property. But my main talk's raising finance, so... Yeah, it's probably a room, maybe 20-odd people, 20 to 30. And again, that might completely ignite fear in some people. But you'd learned the skill set over the five days. In fact, let's, let's take a step back a bit before we go on to your first speech. How did you find the process of going from beginner speaker, using it but not realising you were using it, into five days of hard work? and a little bit of a, a revelation how did you find it so i absolutely loved expert speaker revolution so five days immersing yourself in something for me i think is awesome and i'm also such a massive people person so spending five days with peers with people yeah. focusing on my speaking again during that course i'm like this is awesome i'm learning i'm getting really good at this and then when you go into your first talk i was like oh my god i've forgotten everything <laughs> <laughs> so I'm always one of them people it's like positivity first then I'll dip down for however long and think oh god this is really hard this is awful why did I do this and then you sort of think oh god I've paid all this money to learn how to speak I'm gonna have to speak <laughs> also do it but you're um, saying so it was at a networking event and that's again a point I've mentioned in lots of previous podcasts that um irrespective of your level of experience there's always someone who's one step behind you always one step in front of someone so sharing your experience is good and bad sharing your knowledge however much you've learned so you've done your first speech and you mentioned ppn which is a networking event so it's progressive property network but if your market or your niche as a listener is something different there will be networking events that you have the opportunity to speak at and even now i'm being invited to so many zoom networking events or online networking events where you can still use that skill and what better way to practice it than now so your first speech feedback then rather than just your own often critical self-feedback what was the feedback and what was the general consensus from the audience members from the organizer on on how your speech went so um alan was the ppn host for swindon and he i i think i'm right that he was on the training with me um, so his feedback was lovely. It was really constructive and, you know, you did really well at this because I, my main concern was not being able to fill the whole hour. So I had an hour long talk and I thought, well, what if I can't fill it all? Or, you know, you talk real fast when you're nervous. And I thought, what if I go on stage and speak for five minutes? <laughs> and then there's 
55 minutes left and you're just stood there. Um, so initially I was just pleased that I'd managed to fill my time. I'd also picked PPNs where the majority of people at them were more newer than sort of more experienced investors than me. Um, so, so I felt like whatever I spoke about, as long as I knew more than them and I could give them some good value, some good content, then I'd have done a good job. So the feedback was massively positive people are lovely no one ever wants you to fail so people come up to you like well done um i i told people it was my first speech so i never worry about saying things like that so i'm like yeah i'm all right on the property um like thing that i do but the speaking i'm still learning it so come and listen to me speak but if i mess up a bit then i'm really sorry but i'm learning and so it was cool everyone was kind it's so overlooked we'll often have these fears or you know we'll be worried about making a fool of ourselves saying the wrong thing or what if the audience think this or that but and I say this every time I deliver any speaker training I say it in so many of my podcasts is that when you're the person stood on the stage if you're struggling if you've lost your way if you've forgotten what you're you're going to be speaking about one, there is always a system to fall back on, and that's what we teach on our, our speaker training. But two, no one in the audience wants you to fail. That if you're struggling, you can't get your words out or whatever, that your audience feel that too, and they're actually willing you to do better because it makes them feel uncomfortable. And I think that's definitely something that we should highlight from this. Another point to note is that the ability to just kind of put yourself out there, get out of your own way, and that you call it out I've talked about this on previous podcast episodes of calling out what you feel are your, you know, inadequacies, your idiosyncrasies, whatever, those little kind of isms that you have and yours being, look, I'm brand new to speaking. This is my first speech. Kind of be gentle with me. And that ability to just be vulnerable and share that, it's something that can be learned and that you have to nurture and you have to practice and your ability to do that obviously then resulted in people going, well, actually it was a great speech and I can't believe it was your first speech and that great feedback, meaning that you want to do it even more. So let's look at the skill set that you've gained in public speaking. How has improving your public speaking skills benefited you within business? So in a different area or niche, which for you is for property. Um, so it's just easier to talk to people, I think. Um, the system that you teach on on the Expert Speaker Revolution, and I think you've done it on this podcast as well, the Pentagon, you can just put anything into the Pentagon. So I do it when I'm speaking to my investors, if they're a bit new. Um, and then once you get to know people, it just becomes a good chat with them, doesn't it? Um, also speaking has taught me to prep which sounds really really weird but if you ever go on stage and you're not prepared then um it quite often 99% of the time goes wrong um so speaking's literally taught me about you going into a meeting sit down and think about it before this is what you want to talk about and I just lay it out in the pentagon sort of way and even if you can't force the conversation to go into that model at least you've got all your points in nice round areas and and you've put your percentages of time of what you could spend on them and that's massively helped me in business just think about how I want to talk in meetings and prepare <laughs> So, 
the fact that it's transferable, so public speaking being a standalone skill set, but that it's helped you. And that's another point. And again, I reiterate the same points over and over is the ability to prepare that no one is just born a natural speaker. It takes learning a system, it takes practice, it takes preparation to, to continually move forward and always improve. And that you've mentioned that the system, the Pentagon, uh, as you know, I am a huge fan. I think the Pentagon is a really important part of the, the wider system and that it's so versatile that you can use it in all different areas. So I'm going to ask a couple of different questions, just a couple to yeah. about you. Um, best speech, where was it, when was it, and why was it the best speech? So this speech was on the 24th of September 2019. You know uh, the date. <laughs> I, do, I do know this date because um, ever ever since I'd gone to Progressive and seen speakers, I just thought I would just love to do a keynote on their stage. And I was invited to do an hour-long talk for a creative finance masterclass. And the person that invited me told me that there would be 30 to 40 people there. And I turned up and um, the host of the event, Kevin, he came upstairs and was like, oh, there's well over 100 people downstairs. Kevin's a character and he's always having a joke and winding people up and having a laugh. So I was like, oh, don't be silly, Kevin. How many people are downstairs? He's like, over 100. <laughs> and there was. <laughs> um, I loved it. That was a fantastic talk because I just got on stage and um, I was just in my element and I had some really useful feedback. I had some heels on that were a bit clippy-cloppy. So someone said to me, um, when you're walking across the stage, they could sometimes just hear like clip-clop, clip-clop. And I thought, oh, so you need to be thinking about like you, what you're wearing as a, as a person, not just about your talk and what you're talking about. Um, and aside from that, I just had such lovely feedback from over 100 people. I was talking about some of the projects that I have on at the moment, and I was talking about um, some finance that I raised. And off the back of that, I had several people come up to me and um, offer to lend me money and stuff, which I didn't need at the time, but I hadn't really had throughout my property career. People just running up to me like, oh, I've got money in the bank. Would you like it? I'm like, you talking to me? <laughs> looking behind for that person um, so that was just a really nice feeling that people had got my message and had just bought into me from that second and I just thought wow like that's awesome so again tons in there to dissect so many parts in there about it being the fact that you remember the date and I think that shows the significance of how you know you've, you've hit a goal or you've made it you know you've achieved something that you wanted to achieve I think you were invited to speak there. And obviously, I mentioned at the start, Emerald's been a mentee of mine, and a big thing that you need to give yourself a lot of credit for is to put yourself out there. You always just say yes and then figure out afterwards. You know, the yes, I'm just going to jump from one job role to another, one business to another, start this, and then I'll worry about it afterwards. And that even though there is a little bit of worry, it's then, okay, how do I approach this? Learn the system, prepare for it. And I know that you prepared well for that. Another point to note there, you said I was just in flow. And I think that comes back to a point that I've reiterated numerous times on previous podcasts is just speaking about something that you're passionate about. That it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, the most detailed thing or it doesn't necessarily need to be something that's so intricate that you've, you've had to delve into loads of detail. It's this is what I do, this is what I'm passionate about and that can sell an idea to people anyway. 
another point, and it's been previous episodes, has been the non-speaker side. So these things that actually, when you're preparing for a speech initially, you might just think more of the where do I stand on the stage and what do I say? But actually, it's where do I stand? How do I enter the stage? You mentioned the shoes that you wear, and you don't know that until you test it, that the shoes are, you know, clip-clop and it's haired across the stage, or maybe you're wearing an outfit that needs an adjustment, or, you're, you know, you, you move it continually, and it becomes something that your audience note, and the ability to identify it, one, to rectify it going forward. So, so much around that being your best speech. So... I'm not one to dwell on the negative, but I also think it's important for our listeners to understand that not every speaker is perfect. Is there anyone speech that comes to mind where you think didn't enjoy it, didn't get the result or, you know, worst speech if you were to name it that? Yeah, so um, there's loads of really interesting facts around this speech, but we can talk about that later um, if you like. So going into this speech on the 4th of October 2019, so that was a month after, no, like not even a month after, that was like two weeks after my really good one. So I was on a really good high and someone had balled out and I got offered to go and speak at the XL in London. And um, so I'd, it was a 20-minute talk, and it was one that I've really, really rehearsed because I've done a lot of videos around it, and it's just um, around buy-to-lets and what not to buy and what to buy. And I had to catch a train, and normally I drive to my talk, so I normally have a lot of time in the car before to um, think about things and talk things through in my head. So I had a train, had to navigate through London. I hate London. Not a fan. <laughs> so I think all of that would have stressed me out. And then I got to the Excel and the other talks that I'd done before people knew I was going they may have bought into me as a character to listen to me or they had bought tickets to the creative finance masterclass or they'd won them so they'd already bought into the whole thing and when I went to the Excel people didn't know who I was they weren't bought into me and everyone just sat there with their arms folded (laughs) and some that look yeah and some guy at the front sat there and asked questions like why would you do that and why would you think this and and normally I'm really good at answering questions but these ones sort of threw me and it was right at the beginning when I was trying to do my content and it was just a bit like Shh, you I'm, I'm trying to do something over here and it was just and then I sort of finished and was like I'm done and sort of people were like oh. and it was just horrific it wasn't the best <laughs> so Knowing that it didn't quite go to plan, um, one of the things that I identified there, which is, again, a point that we, we cover as a part of the system, which isn't actually a speaker skill in itself, but it's so important to any delivery, whether it's a presentation in front of people or even a Zoom one-on-one with people, is um, something that we call getting in state, getting in state to preparing. So it's not necessarily about preparing the content, the detail, the information. It's about getting ready in just that time frame and you identified I'm so used to sitting in the car and driving and this is something that I do I use that time just clear your head practice your speech get prepared chill out a little bit and get yourself in the state ready to deliver a speech but those outside things of you know having to drive maneuver around London I'm with you there a hundred percent you know I hate driving around London I always get the train and um, but the fact that you've had to drive around London or you've had to maneuver yourself around it on tubes whatever that you felt you were getting stressed and that came out I think or that kind of set you in the wrong foot or the wrong tone to deliver your speech but that was in October 2019 you're still speaking so how did you overcome what did you do what did you learn from it and what 
kind of skill set did you put into practice to make sure it didn't go that way in future? Um, I think it took me a little while, but I just had to keep saying to myself that audience wasn't bought into you. And I know it's like a bad, bad workman blames their tools, so a bad speaker blames their audience. <laughs> I was like, you it are was bold. <laughs> But I think that helped because you can't just blame yourself for everything. And I'm really good at blaming myself for everything. So, and it was one of them where it's kind of like, that wasn't great. The content wasn't my content. I was delivering other people's. I was in a strange room, a room I'd never been in before. Normally the places I've spoken at are all rooms that I'm quite familiar with. I think speaking teaches you a lot about yourself. So obviously I like familiarity. So I like talking in the same rooms or in the same areas with a few friendly faces. I didn't know anybody in the room that was listening to me at all, Um, whether that be from Facebook, social media or anything. They were just like a bunch of random faces. So... Um, how else did I get over it? I just think I booked myself and just went and did another one. That's what you've got to do. Absolutely. Getting back on the horse. And that's something that we always, you know, you mentioned earlier on that Rob is my mentor. And when I've spoken to him about his, because I've asked him similar questions, what's been your best speech, what's been your worst? And one that he declares his worst speech, you know, similar scenario in terms of the fact that he, nothing went to the plan that, the way that he wanted it to. And the best piece of advice that he gave was to do exactly what you'd said, which was to book in another speaking gig. Because the more you leave it, the harder it gets to get back on the horse or, you know, the bigger it builds up in your mind of being this big thing of what if I do it again. So you booked in a speaking gig again and that kind of moved you forwards and the fact that you're still doing it now speaks volumes. So best gig and worst gig we've looked at. If I were to ask for you to summarise for our listeners the best piece of advice you've been given in regards to speaking and the worst piece of advice you've been given in regards to speaking. Um, so... <laughs> You'll hate the worst piece of advice. So the worst piece of advice is someone said to me, you're really good, Emerald. Why don't you just be you all the time and you're better when you're winging it? And I'm like, no, no, you're not. You're better when you're prepared. Um, and then I'm not sure if there's a piece of advice, but the best thing that I can think of um, that I suppose is advice from, from you and Rob is the preparation and the practice. So I used to practice a bit and then when I was getting on stage and I wasn't getting the right sort of feeling on the inside from it, the more I practiced and the better prepared I was, the better things seemed to go. And I'm like, oh, they're right. (laughs) (laughs) People who do this for a living, how dare they get it right? Um, Even down to, uh, I hate Facebook Lives. And when I did them all them years ago as a PT, um, I was always on camera with someone else, never did lives myself. Mm. And recently I forced myself to get back into it because um, you said we had to. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> and, and I jumped on a few and I'm like, these are really messy and I don't know why the content's all messed up. And I jumped from this point to that point and then back to this point. And then um, <clears throat> more recently I prepared for my Facebook lives and wrote down a few points in, in the Pentagon and now they go way more smoother. Surprise. <laughs> I, just, I think that's so refreshing though to hear that is that if we firstly look at when I've asked you for best piece, worst piece of advice, that the two interlink completely because your worst piece of advice and you said I'd hate it I'm a massive fan of preparation and preparing um but someone saying oh you just you're better when you wing it 
I think if we were to kind of explain that a little bit better, people probably meant it better when we see your personality shine through. And this is why when we teach people public speaking, we have a mentorship program after the five days of training because learning the skill set and learning the speaking system is one thing. Then being able to like have that as an unconscious competence, have that come naturally through, but be able to put your personality around it. So often we see, you know, you know, I'm fortunate that I've trained thousands of people in speaking. So often we see when people start focusing just on the system before they've done it so much so that it becomes ingrained in them. They, you lose your personality, your isms, you know, your quirky parts of your personality, the humour, the, the fly by your seat of your pants just saying the first thing that comes into your head or whatever that might be in your own kind of personality can get lost a little bit and it takes a bit more practice and repetition to then go okay I'm going to say what I want to say with my personality but still follow that system and then the best piece of advice being to to practice and prepare it's finding your way to practice and prepare and you mentioned the point because you told me to you know our job as your mentors both mine and Robert's is to hold you to account and to often help you get out of your own way. And, and I was exactly the same with Facebook Lives. You know, I still don't do them anywhere near enough, if I'm honest. And I think... Well, maybe well, you should do them once Yeah, I should do it. Duly noted, I will do one later today. Um, but I think a big part of that game was around the Facebook Lives, you can't prepare for them. It's just going to be off the cuff. And I think once you do, even if you just put down four or five points or you have, you know, just something that's a little bit of a a reminder of the point you want to hit, even if you do go off course a little bit, having that system or that, that process to follow helps you come back into it. And huge well done because you're doing loads more Facebook lives and it's definitely getting you there. So yeah, really, really well done. So I think it's probably worthwhile. So anyone who's listening to this at a later date today, so today when we're recording this, we're recording this in May, 2020. Um, I'm going to put a Facebook Live on earlier on, so I'm going to jump off the back of your Facebook Live thread. And I think it just absolutely tickled me. Your personality well and truly showed through. So for those people who haven't yet heard it, it was Emerald's story, and I'm not going to steal a thunder, I'll let you go back and watch her Facebook Live, around how she managed to source plaster, which is like gold dust at the minute, on Tinder. The art of selling an idea to somebody. So with that in mind, would you say that you have become a better salesperson since you learned to hone your public speaking skills? And if so, what do you sell? Absolutely. I sell myself. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Just massively. For me, it's actually been quite life-changing. And everyone's like, oh, do the public speaking course. It's quite life-changing. I was like, yeah, whatever. I'll learn to speak and then I'll hop on the stage. And I think quite blasé. And then for me, stuff always hits later. So I was getting my speaking. And one of the um, reasons my Excel talk wasn't so good, um, as well as the audience not being great, was because I wasn't happy in myself that day or that week for whatever time. And for me, in my property business, I can have a couple of weeks where I just think, meh, can't be asked. But with public speaking and with selling and with talking to people, you can't be like that because you've got to get on stage and be like happy and they always say um about clowns don't they that clowns are like miserable people but they get on stage and be happy yeah i really disagree with that it's not true (laughs) or maybe it's just me so for me i've learned to just be more consistent and to manage 
what would you say, like manage your emotions or keep yourself in check better mm-hmm. to be able to speak on the stage. And then when I do it and when that's helped with my selling just in normal life and all I sell really is just myself working with me and ha- like raising finance, good returns on money. I don't even see that as selling, but it is. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, yeah, so many people don't think it is selling. You're selling yourself in terms of this is what I do and that's why when you've done speeches around finance raising the intention hasn't been I'm going in to get people to give their finance to me but you've been able to convey your message in such a way come across in such a a positive light that people have then offered the finance and I've done previous episodes of the podcast around selling and the importance of being able to sell whether that's an idea to somebody like getting your Tinder date to give you the plaster. <laughs> or whether it's selling the idea of someone working with you or whatever that might be, that being a salesperson has become a part of it that maybe you necessarily didn't kind of step into public speaking for. So if I were to ask for you to give me maybe two, three, up to five of your top tips for anyone who is either looking to get started in public speaking or is relatively new or maybe resting on their laurels a little bit and wants to progress as a public speaker. If I were to ask for maybe between two and five top tips, throw in your thoughts. Number one has to be you've got to do something. So if you're sat there and you've watched people talk on stage or I hear loads of people go, yeah, I'm going to do that speaking course when I'm ready. You're never ready. And there's no point getting good before you get taught because they'll then do everything that you already think about speaking. So number one top tips, always do something, whether that's book a speech in, book a Facebook live into your own diary, book onto a course, get some mentorship, do something, anything to get going. Um, number two for speaking would be your preparation. Like, just prepare. It's boring. No one wants to do it. No one wants to think about it. And you want to hop on stage and just do an awesome speech. But the people that you see doing that have probably prepared for hours. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and number three, just enjoy it. Like, once you stop worrying about it and you get out of your own head and you stop thinking oh God, this is like hard, this is rubbish or all the rest of it. Once you get rid of the negativity, you just really enjoy yourself and then it's just good fun. Awesome. I'm going to recap those top tips for anyone who was listening and wants to make notes on it. Top tip number one is to do something. Absolutely. You know, get out of your own way, do something, set yourself a challenge or a task, commit to it and do it. And I think that's something that you have to be commended for, Emerald, is that, you know, if you set yourself a task, you're going to do it one way or another, even if you don't feel like doing it, even if there's something getting in the way, you know, huge credit to you because you always do that. Top tip number two being to prepare. The irony of the girl who wins it being the one who now prepares, but the ability to get ready, get in state, prepare a few key points, know what you're going to say so that you are ready to handle any part of it that you need to. And top tip number three, to enjoy it. That I, I, can't, I can't endorse that any more than you've already said it, which is you've got to get out of your own way. You know, if you're not enjoying it, that absolutely transmits to your audience. If your audience, and this is probably something that you've maybe felt when you've delivered that speech at the Excel, because you said you weren't really kind of 100% on the content because it was someone else. So there's a bit of conflict there that you didn't feel because the audience didn't know you already, that it was harder and you've got this barrier because you're trying to deliver your content and also trying to get people who don't know you to warm to you as well. And, you know, 
enjoying it if you're not enjoying it which you probably weren't at that point then that can be to your audience and that comes back to you so get out of your own way and enjoy it and I think they are three great top tips is there anything else you would like to add before I summarize where we're at and um, to anything we've covered so far um no I don't think so I think everyone should learn to be a little speaker now and even if they don't think they need it they do for something anything just got to just give it a go I think for me speaking's helped me find balance massively mm. and just balancing consistently just going along I think um yeah I think everyone should just give it a go you never know when you're going to win an award and get chucked on a stage <laughs> and I think that's kind of like how the irony of it being that you won an award for something completely different that what made you want to be a speaker you said it created balance and consistency and that you never knew you needed it. And that's so true of so many people. Whilst we've been going through this, I've, I've written down some notes and I'm going to do a little bit of a recap and a summary. If you want to jump in at any point, do. But some of the points that you made in there, which I think need to be reiterated are, you've got to have no fear. So often people worry about what others are thinking about them. People are going to judge you anyway. It's one of the most common phrases I say. People are going to judge you anyway, so let them judge you for being the best version of you and being true to yourself. Social media, you mentioned. Um, you mentioned that you're using social media for your Facebook lives, but you also said that you use that within your um, business as a, as a PT. You use it within your business as a property investor and also within your business as a public speaker. It's such a massive opportunity for every one of us, especially right now, while so many people are, you know, furloughed, staying at home, working from home and still want to meet their clients. I know many people whose businesses have absolutely boomed because there's been a bit of a, a push towards it. You've been forced, if you like, to, to move into social media. So would you say people need to do more social media? I would, and I would say with the lockdown, for people that do have more time and space, and I know not everybody does, um, you've got the time to create content and you've probably got a bit more space to think about it and get creative. I've noticed my creativity levels have gone up massively because all the travelling and the day-to-day -day drama have all disappeared. Um, and I've got the time to think and create social media content. So if you're one of them lucky people that have got the time, use it. Absolutely. It's an opportunity. Take it, grab it with both hands. Um, I think a point that I'm going to kind of reiterate again and maybe finish on with this is that nobody wants you to fail. If you're fear in public speaking or if you're thinking I'm not quite yet the finished article, that the only way to get better is to continue to do it and put yourself out there and that people want you to succeed. And I remember the very first time that we spoke about you becoming a speaker and, you you know, it was like, yeah, I'm going to do it. But, you know, this is the reason why it was a negative. So I didn't feel like it landed well. And the way you tell your story always makes people laugh. But, you know, deep down, that was a feeling of whether it be inadequacy, it wasn't quite right, whatever it was. Um, that nobody wants you to fail. And in fact, everybody wants you to succeed. And nobody wants you to succeed more as a speaker than I do. It's been an absolute privilege to watch you go from kind of the, the person who wasn't necessarily thinking it could benefit you to not only benefiting you in terms of your public speaking skills, but how many people you've given value to, helped, supported, created business with. That uh, it's, it's testament to the type of person that you are. And I think you should be very proud of that. Thank you. <laughs> you are very welcome. Well, 
Thank you very much for being my guest. Um, it's an honour to interview a mentee. It's really bizarre because so often I'm the person saying this is how you could do it or you should do it or maybe we could improve by doing X, Y or Z. So it's been lovely to have the opportunity to interview you and let you just kind of share with our audience members. If anyone wants to uh, follow you on social media or find out a little bit more about you, tell us how we can do that in uh, you can add me on Facebook. My name's Emerald Fisk, but there's literally only one of me. <laughs> In more ways than one. And it's exactly the same on Instagram. It's Emerald underscore Fisk. I have no need for numbers after any of my names on social media. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, BobSmith978. <laughs> so follow you on Instagram, follow you on social media. Uh, thank you so much for being my guest on today's podcast. And for all of our listeners, thank you for listening to today's episode of Presenting, Pitching and Public Speaking.